Hey, what's up, Praise Chapel Paramount? This is Pastor Mike Hernandez. I'm from Reclaim Church in the city of Hutto, Texas. I was just with you guys this last Wednesday night, and I preached a message entitled Victory. We talked about how we can have victory over the flesh and how our greatest victory is walking in the presence of God. I hope you enjoy this message. All right, well, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. That was such a good uh, thing that, that Pastor Benny was saying about souls and denying the flesh. And, and it's funny because we, we forget the simple gospel. And we come to church and we let, the, 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 we let so many petty things distract us from the simplicity of the gospel, which is give your life to Jesus, deny yourself, spread the gospel. I mean, like, it, it's so simple. So I, I do want to uh, share a message, but I also want to pray with some people tonight um, that the Lord has put on my heart, even as we're just standing here um, during the worship. Uh, there's just this sense during worship that there's, there is... There's, it's like you guys are so close as a, as a community, as a church, to breaking through to something so special. Now listen, hold on, before you clap, I, I, I want to say this. The presence of God is so special that when you're in it, it feels like this is the destination. But it's so good that there's more to him. And so even in, in, in a season like this, we are like, man, can it get any better? Yes, it can. Can, can I know God any deeper? Yes, you can. Can I feel his presence any more than I do now? Yes, you can. And so I want to encourage you. You know, there's some people that I, I can tell, I can tell during worship that you want to jump, but you don't because you're embarrassed. And I can tell during worship you want to shout, but you don't. Is that anybody in this place? Yeah, right? Like, I like, ooh, you like you do the jump, with like, you know, where you don't get off the floor. Can, can I say that? <laughs> Can I say that if you were to do it, you'd encourage the other person, probably three people down from you, that are like, man, I really want to do this too. And guess what? Guess what? Even if you don't, who cares? Because you're not doing it for them anyway, right? You're celebrating what God is doing. And so I want to talk to you today about victory. How do we, how do we have victory in our walk with the Lord? And, and, and I want to get into this. So Exodus chapter 23, verse 20 through 33. I'm going to get right into the message. Um, this is a lot of scripture and I'm not the best reader. So, uh, bear with me, please. Behold, I sent an angel before you to guard you on the way and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Pay careful attention to him and obey his voice. Do not rebel against him for he will not pardon your transgressions for my name is in him. But if you carefully obey his voice and do all that I say, then I will be an enemy to your enemies and an adversary to your adversaries. When my angel goes before you and brings you to the Amorites, and to the Hittites, and to the Parasites, and the Canaanites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. All right, I'm going to skip that next time I read this. And I blot them out. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do as they do. But you shall utterly overthrow them and break their pillars in pieces. You shall serve the Lord your God, and he will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sicknesses away from among you. Doesn't that sound familiar? None shall miscarry or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. I will send my terror before you and, you, and will throw into confusion all the people against whom, whom you shall come. And I will make all of your enemies turn their backs to you. And I will send hornets before you, which shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and all those people we read before. I will not drive them out before, but I will not drive them out from before you in one year, lest the land become desolate and the wild beasts multiply against you. Little by little. 
I will drive them out from before you until you have, uh, until you have, uh, sorry, until you have increased and possessed the land. And I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the Euphrates. For I will give the inhabitants of the land into your hand and you shall drive them out before you. You shall no, make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Thank you, Lord, for helping me get through that. I'm not a fan of losing. I don't like it. I don't like when my Lakers lose. And they just lost to Boston. How do you lose to Boston? But anyway, no, Ricky, don't want to hear it, man. Um, But anyway... I, I found, and, I, and I'm sure if you've been serving the Lord for any length of time, about a week or a day, I'm sure that you find that there is defeat. There's failures. There's times, that, do you have those moments where you're like, I wish I never did that. I wish I never said that. I wish I never went there. And, and we have these moments, but I, I've experienced walking with the Lord that I've had so many defeats in my life. I've had so many moments where I, feel, I felt like throwing in the towel and calling it and saying, man, I'm done with this. I can't do it. And it, it was rarely about people and it was more about me because of my failures. But I've also come to experience that in every season, no matter what I was in, I always found the victory if I would go to Jesus. There was no sense of like, what am I going to do? Trying to figure these things out. If I were to just get to Jesus, if I were to get in his presence, I would find that I have victory because there is always victory when you're walking with Jesus. So here's the children of Israel and they're in this moment and they had just been set free from bondage in Egypt. Okay, I need water, guys. Excuse me. I mean, where's the little table? What happened to that thing? I got to bend all the way down here. I might as well preach on the floor. <laughs> I'm, I feel good to be home. But the, the children of Israel, they had just been set free, and now they have this sense of freedom. This sense of like, man, anything is possible. We're going to this promised land and, and God is promising this good stuff to us. And now they have this sense of freedom. But, but in this chapter, what's happening is God is basically breaking down to them. Like, if you, want to, if you want to receive what I have for you, this is what you have to do. When we walk with God, there are always going to be like guidelines. Oh, thank you. Man, let's see that. That's, look at this guy. Man, you look. You look ready for marriage, bro. That's all I'm going to say right now. <laughs> That's not a prophetic word, man, but can we pray? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for everything you've done. We thank you, Lord, that you are always good. Father, I pray that my thoughts, my opinions, my emotions would not be the, be the driving force, but I pray your Holy Spirit would lead every word that I say. God, it's never about us. It's always, always about you, Jesus. I pray, God, that the attention would be on your word, on your spirit, God, and I pray, Lord, that you would help every one of us understand what you're trying to say, Lord. I pray when it's convicting, let us remember that conviction is a sign that you love us. So we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So the first First thing I want to talk about is, is how do you have victory in your life? It's, it's crazy because often we want to say, well, we got to fight for our victory. You got to fight for your breakthrough. You got to fight, right? But, but, but really in reality, victory comes through surrender. Victory comes from a place where, where, where we say, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And then the scripture that we had just read, he's, he's basically telling him, like, look, obey every word that the angel says. Do everything he says. Follow all of his commandments. Because then, if you do that, you'll have victory. If you do that, I'll be with you. 
But often, we, we quote verses like Romans chapter 8, verse 37. It says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And we have this, this, this almost like this false sense that if, if I just claim this scripture, then no matter where I'm at in my life, I'm going to have victory. And, and that's just not true. Because you cannot claim the victory of God when you're walking outside of his will. See, su- submission must follow confession. I cannot say, oh, I'm victorious in the Lord and, and I'm more than a conqueror and then walk in disobedience to what he's telling me. Because ultimately what that does, it, le- it leads us to disappointment. Because it's like, wait a minute, God. You're supposed to help me in this situation. He's like, I never said you were supposed to go there. I can't help you there. Like, you're outside of where I, where I put you. And so, so surrendering is what leads us to victory. The confession of victory must be followed by submission. Our surrender to him leads us to his victory. My victory is his victory. I'm victorious because he's victorious. You get what I'm saying? James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It starts with surrender. But we don't like that. That's just the truth. I don't like that sometimes. I, maybe I'm by myself in that. Sometimes I say things up here, and then I'm like, how am I a pastor? This is, like, this is crazy. God does use the foolish things, man. It's so true. But, but can I tell you why we don't like surrender? Actually, I'll let the scripture tell us. In Galatians 5, 16 through 17, it says, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. We don't like to surrender because we really like our flesh. And can I say this? It, it, it doesn't really matter if you like to be surrendered or not. You already are. You are already surrendered. It just depends on to who. You're already walking in submission. But it depends on to who. Jesus says this. He says, no one can serve two masters. You can't do it. There's a constant battle for your flesh. There's a the overall from the flesh and the spirit. There's this constant battle with inside of you to say, I really want to surrender to God, but then I really don't want to. But when we don't surrender to God, we're already surrendered to the flesh. We're already surrendered. That's why we walk in defeat. We think we're fighting. You're not fighting. You're surrendered to your flesh. That was a good one. You got you to put that in your notes. Write that down. Can, can, put, it, put it this way. How, like, okay, how do I know? How do I know who I'm surrendered to? Well, how do you live? How do you talk? How do you treat your spouse? How do you treat your kids? How do you treat your neighbor? How do you treat your pastor when he's not around? How do you treat the leaders when they're not around? How do you treat your fellow leader? Oh, come on. How do you treat people? How do you act? Because how you act determines who you're surrendered to. How, what I do every single day. Guess what? If you constantly walk in your flesh, guess who you're surrendered to? The flesh. And then we're confused. 
we're confused. Like, man, why don't I have victory? You don't have victory because you're surrendered to the wrong person. Can I encourage you to surrender to the Spirit of God? It's like, yeah, the Spirit of God. Now, this, I'm, I'm going to be very honest with you. This is not like an easy message. This message, like, I was like, I don't think I should preach this. This sounds kind of mean. But I'm home, and again, I leave on Saturday. And <laughs> I, I was telling Pastor Omar, like, he can clean up my mess, which is still good, right? I'm young enough, I can make a lot of mistakes. It's... <laughs> Thank you, Dad. He cleans up my messes, too. I got a lot of backup here today. But, but you know what it means to surrender to the Spirit of God? It's self-denial. It's denying your flesh. We, we make it complicated. God, I want to surrender to you. Like, we, we want him to, like, I don't even know what we're waiting. Like, we don't even know, right? We're just, he's like, okay, dude, stop, stop yelling at your wife. It's like, no, but she, you don't know what she did. She deserves this. No, that's, that is surrendering to the Spirit. It's to say, I'm not going to say what I want to say. Even if you're right. Like I always am. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. 90-10. <laughs> but it's surrendering to the Lord and saying, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do, not what I want to do. And it sounds simple, but it's hard. You know, like when you're doing your taxes? Oh, it's coming up, right? Doing your tax, you're like, if I just put like, I just got to make a slight change and things, I'll get a little bit more. But can I tell you, that's not surrendering to the spirit. That's surrendering to the flesh. You know, you know what it looks like? It looks like when the, when, the, when, the, when the person at the register gives you a little bit more change than you got where you were supposed to get. You know what surrendering to the flesh is putting that in your pocket and saying, thank you, Jesus, I really needed this. But surrendering to the spirit is saying, no, hey, excuse me, you gave me too much. We overcomplicate it. We make it this crazy thing like, what is it to walk in the spirit? Just obey God. Just be obedient to what he's telling you to do. Because when we're walking by the spirit, our, our weapons look different. I don't, for my marriage, to fight for my marriage, I don't have to fight to be right. Right? But the flesh will say, when somebody hurts you, get revenge. But the spirit says, when, when somebody hurts you, you bless them. That is fighting and surrendering to the spirit. When we do what's contrary to the things that we want to do. When there's hate in our hearts, can I tell you that's the flesh? There is never a justification for you to hate another person, ever. But we justify because we say, well, they disagree with me. Or you don't know what they did to hurt me. And we justify these things. But that is self, that is not self-denial. That is self-pleasure and saying, I'm going to do what I want to do. But the weapons of our warfare don't look like the world. So what does it look like when we're going through things? We don't complain, but we praise and we worship. When things don't look bright, we give him, we give him the glory anyway. It's like way maker, right? Miracle worker, light in the darkness. It's like we like that song until we're in the darkness. And then we can't sing it anymore. I just can't worship today, man. You don't know what I've been through. It's like, come on, man. Like, you want to get over that? Stop complaining about it and start praising through it. That is self-denial. 
Our victory comes not from surrendering to ourselves, but surrendering to the voice and the will of God. But can I tell you, you'll never know the voice until you pick up your Bible. You'll never know the voice until you spend time with him. It's just not going to happen. And that's where we're like, Pastor, give me a word. Sometimes I'm like, man, I want to give you a word, but you should read it, man. Like, it'll change you. It'll change your life. But here's the thing. Is you can't have victory over an enemy until you identify the enemy. Right? Yeah, that's good. <laughs> I just feel so at home right now. And it's only like 9 o'clock. We're not going to we'll be out by like midnight. We're good. Yeah, we're good. I know you guys are hungry. I ate today, so I'm good. I, I, yeah, oh, jeez. Oh, my gosh. Man, you are hungry. Lord, help, help him, Father Jesus. Exodus 23, 31, 33 says, And I will set your border from the Red Sea to the Sea of the Philistines and from the wilderness to the Euphrates, for I will give you the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and you shall drive them out before you. You shall make no covenant with them and their gods. They shall not dwell in your land, lest they make you sin against me. For if you serve their gods, it will surely be a snare to you. Can I tell you, our greatest enemy is not the devil. It's our flesh. Amen, Oe. That's my nephew. Our greatest enemy is our flesh. It's like you want to fight the devil. Fight yourself. Fight the flesh. This is what the Bible says in, in James 1, 13 and 15. It says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil. And he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by the devil. No, that's not what it says. What does it say? By his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, give birth, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. See, this is why the world is so tempting to us. Because what the world offers is pleasure and self-gratification and self-affirmation and self-care, right? That's the whole thing now, self-care. You got to have self. Man, what about self-denial? Like, this is what we're preaching today. It's like this feel-good gospel. This is not what the Bible says. Our fle My flesh is my my greatest enemy the biggest mistakes I've ever made in my life were the blame was on nobody but myself it was me it's because I wanted to do that it's because I wanted the pleasure first John 2 16 says for all that is in the world the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the father but is from the world see to overcome our enemy we must identify that it's us it's us there's like this and I, I, it's not in my notes and, and I'm going to try to kind of rush through this but but it's like this, the, the, one of the biggest things that's hidden in the church, and it's crazy because everybody knows about it, but nobody talks about it, is pornography. It's this self-pleasure for self-gratification. And we do, we do things like that because in reality, we're not looking for God to move in our lives. We're looking for God to make us feel good. And when God doesn't make us feel the way we want to feel, we go to what will. 
We go to the self-gratification of the flesh. That's why Jesus says, if anyone wants to come to me, he must deny himself. He doesn't say deny the devil. He says deny himself because I am my greatest enemy. I'm the one I got to fight. I'm the one I've got I've to get some grace. God, help me to overcome my sin and temptation. God, help me to overcome the addictions in my life. Lord, help me to overcome these things. Because it's, it's my flesh. It's our flesh. Our flesh is our greatest enemy. But this is what has happened. Is we've, we've, we've taken our enemies, or well, things that are supposed to be our enemies, and we've made them our frenemies. Please clap so I can get some water. Thank you. <laughs> you guys are like, just hurry up. Whatever it takes, man. I'm hungry. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if any of us have ever said, I really want God to be my enemy. I don't know if anybody, anybody has ever said that. If you have, you need prayer. you like a lot of them. Like we all do. But I don't think any of us have said that. But this is what happens is, you don't ever really choose your enemies. You choose your friends. And your friends often determine who your enemy is. Right? So what we've done is we've befriended things in our life that are enemies of God. And we've tried to overcome them. We've tried to have victory over them. And we're basically trying to, like, invite them into, into our relationship with God. And say, God, hey, I really want you in my life, but I also really want my pride. Like, i got to keep my pride. I really want you, but I also want my addictions. I, I really want you, God, but I also want, I also want my, my conversations with the women, that I, the things that I shouldn't be saying about other people. Like, that brings me comfort because that brings me security. God, I, I really want you, but I, but I also have my frenemies. Now, we're not almost done. Don't let that trick you. Don't let it trick you. Some of you guys were like, dang, he's fast. Like, hey, let's get out of here. No, 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 no. I already ate. I told you this. And a lot of you guys already ate too, so you're good. <laughs> See, these frenemies may give you comfort, but they'll never give you victory. They may make you feel good about yourself, but they'll never give you victory over them. I've come to this conclusion and just, you know, a lot of things and and being here in California, I've come to this conclusion that familiarity equals comfort. When I'm familiar with something, I find comfort in that. And so if I'm familiar with negative things in my life, although I know that they're wrong and I know that they're bad, I still want them to be my friend because I'm so familiar that I, I found comfort in them. That's why when we've grown up around unhealthy relationships, and we don't know anything else, we become familiar with that, and it's this weird sense of comfort. So when we get into a healthy relationship, we sabotage it because we're, it's unfamiliar, so it's uncomfortable. And what we've done is we've become so comfortable with our flesh, and we've become so comfortable with the things that are contrary to the Spirit, that when we encounter God and His holiness and His righteousness, what we do is we sabotage what He's doing in our life because it's uncomfortable. And it's not familiar. Can I say this? That yes, your flesh is unfamiliar with the things of God, but your spirit is not. Your spirit, your spirit is the one thing in your life right now that's saying, I don't know why, but I need something more. 
I don't know what it is. I don't know why what he's saying doesn't really, doesn't really relate, but there's something crying out with inside of you that's saying, I know that I need something more. That's not the flesh, that's the spirit. And we often say no to the spirit because it's unfamiliar. Therefore, it's uncomfortable. And God is like, I'm trying to put you in a place where you're familiar and you're comfortable in the spirit. That's why when people get around God and they start spending time with him, that's why they get uncomfortable with the movies you're fine with. That's why, that's why you begin to get uncomfortable with the music that you used to listen to. That's why you get uncomfortable with the words that you used to say. Because you're beginning to get familiar with the things of God. You, you, you get what I'm, what I'm saying today, right? But our friendships, they determine our enemies. I've befriended a lot. I'm a, I, I've, I've befriended a lot of things in my life that are not good. Like Clipper fans. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. There, I know there aren't real, real Clipper fans anywhere. <clears throat> I'm just kidding again. There's like a couple of them. They're somewhere in California. I don't know. <laughs> my brother. But we find comfort in our in our in these things, and and really, what happens is is we befriend the things of the world, and we've never intended to be an enemy of God. But our friendships determine our enemies. James four four says, "You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God." It doesn't say that God makes you an enemy. It's that you made yourself an enemy of God. We've never wanted to be that. I've never wanted to be somebody's enemy. But we want the friendships that are already enemies of God. And so therefore, when we befriend these things, we, we become enemies of God. I want to tell you a story as, as I'm coming to a close somewhat. <laughs> I got to like say that so I don't become a liar. But I told this story, and, and it's not a real story, and I used the names John and Jen last time I, I, I did this, but I know John and Jen here, so i got to f- come up with another name. Um, let's just say Susan and Sam, all right? I, I hope there's no Susan and Sam. This Again, this is not a word of knowledge. This is just a story. Susan and Sam, they're, they're dating, and, and Sam is just falling in love with Susan, and she's just a wonderful woman. She's a wonderful woman. She, it's, you know, he, he talks about her. She's exciting. She's talented. She's passionate. Right, she loves his family. Right, she, it's just this wonderful relationship. So Sam finally gets the courage, and he asks Susan to marry him. They have a wonderful wedding. You know, the the, the honeymoon's great. Everything's good. It's like he, Sam has found his soulmate, and nothing could change that. Right. So one day Sam gets home from work, and Susan's getting ready. She has a dress on. She's all ready to go out. Right. And he's like, he's like, man, did I forget our anniversary? Did I forget a date or something? And he's trying to figure it out. So he goes up to Susan. He's like, hey, where are we going today? Or no, he says, I think, what, what did he tell me again? Um, he said, I'm just kidding. <laughs> he says to her, should I get ready? Should I put some clothes on? Oh, she's like, no, no, you're good. Don't worry about it. He's like, all right, this is weird. So he says, hey, where, where are we going? And Susan looks at him confused after she's all dolled up. She's got her makeup, her dress. He's in his work clothes. And she's like, what do you, we're not going anywhere. She says, I'm going out with my boyfriend from high school. 
And he's like, what? She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's cool, right? Like, I'm married to you, but I'm just going to go out with him on a date, and then we're going to get a hotel room. All right, I like this side, okay. And he's like, whoa, whoa, hold on, hold on, hold on. Susan, we're married. We're married. I'm your husband, you're my wife. And she's like, no, I know. But I thought our relationship could still have this. Sam's like, no. And all of us, right? That's ridiculous. Like, that's ridiculous. No, come on now. Susan, you can't go out with another man and and stay at a hotel. Like, you can't do that. But it's so funny that we often say that we're dedicated and devoted to God. But we bring other relationships into our relationship with the Lord. And we say things like, God, come on, man. Like, isn't it like this? Like, I'm just struggling. You're not struggling. You're surrendered. You, right? Like, it becomes this thing of like, come on, God, it's okay. No, 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 no. When you get into a relationship with the Lord, old relationships must die. Those things are all in the past. You can't hang on to those things anymore. You've got to let those. So, so your relationship with bitterness, your relationship with anger, your relationship with lust and perversion, your relationship with worldly thinking, your relationship with pride, your relationship with gossip, all these things have to die when you get into a relationship with the Lord. Because if, if, it, if it's not dead, it's adultery. It's adultery against God. So you know, you know when you're just scrolling on, on things, you're looking, that's adultery. It doesn't matter if anybody else knows what you do. It's still adultery. Now you have a choice. You can decide. How dedicated you want to be to the Lord. You decide. But you cannot, we none of us can be friends with the enemies of God. Because when we befriend the enemy of God, we become the enemy of God. But God, He wants He wants you to be victorious over these things. And you might say, Well, why are you saying this stuff? Because we have to identify the enemy. To have victory, we have to identify the enemy. But last, and my last point, and I'm done here, is sometimes victory doesn't always feel like victory. Like, you know those times when you're like, you feel like you, you had that breakthrough, but there's something still like, man, why don't I feel victorious? Like, I feel my emotions are still there. I feel like I'm still in the same circumstance. Like, people are saying I'm victorious, but I'm still feeling depressed. I'm still feeling, I have the, I have anxiety. I still, I'm still worried. I have Right, my finance, my bank account looks exactly the same as after we pray. Like, what are you talking about? I have victory. <laughs> but the scripture in Exodus, I'm not, I don't want to read the whole thing, but it does tell us that that he tells them, he says, "Listen, you're going to get into this land, but I'm not going to give you the whole thing at once. You're going to get it little by little. You're going to get it little by little because you can't handle the whole thing. So sometimes what God is doing is He's not giving you what you're praying for because He's protecting you." He's not giving you the job that you're praying for and you're believing for because he knows once you get it, you're going to be gone. He's not letting you win the lotto. Because he knows when you get it, you're gone. But if you do win, make sure you write a check to Paramount and to Reclaim Church Hutto, Texas. We need it too. (laughs) But God is protecting us. Because sometimes you're not ready for what you're praying for. 
Sometimes we're praying like, God, could you please make me a leader in the church? You know, a good way to know you're not ready to be a leader is when you're jealous of somebody, somebody else who is already one. That was a one-liner. <laughs> but God is protecting us because victory with God is, is more about what he does inside of you than what he does around you. My circumstance can look the same, but that doesn't mean I'm not victorious. And your circumstance could look good, but that doesn't mean it's victory. Just because it's good doesn't mean it's God. You can have a good family and a good life, and you can go to Disneyland every other weekend. I love Disneyland. Right? You could have that kind of life, right? But that doesn't mean it's victory. Because victory is accomplishing the will of God. That's victory. Victory is, is being obedient to what he says. That's victory. But really what victory is for us is to, is to be in his presence. It's just to be with him. I, I, was, I shared this at my, I was at my dad's church on Sunday and, and I've never been so amazed by God in my life. He's just so good. He's just so good to us. And we could, you could let circumstance determine your victory. But my victory is not determined by circumstance. It's determined by who I'm with. It's determined by who I'm walking with. That's why scripture says, even in the depths of hell, you are there. When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear anything because you're with me. When things are coming against me, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what they say. It doesn't matter what things look like. I have victory because I'm in the presence of God. Because I'm walking with Jesus every single day. So when I'm walking with him, I can see who I am. Listen, when I'm walking with Jesus, he shows me who I am. So when anxiety creeps up, because it will, Victory doesn't mean you're never going to have anxiety again. It just means you're going to learn how to think differently. It means you're going to learn how to pray against it. It means you're going to learn to, to identify yourself by a loved one of God. So therefore, if God loves me, he shows me who I am. So when I'm worried, when I'm depressed, when I'm angry, I can see, God, that's not me. That's not me, God. I'm not like that anymore. I don't need to say those things anymore because that's not who I am. But we're never going to know that if we're away from his presence, walking with him and learning from him. It's like uh, you. some of us just need to learn how to celebrate the small victories. Like one day you didn't cuss. Like celebrate that, man. Thank you, Lord, that I'm not like I was yesterday. Some of us got to celebrate one day of not fighting with your wife. Like, thank you, Lord, we didn't fight today. We didn't argue today. Like these are victories that we that we have in Christ because we're walking with him every single day is a victory the enemy can never have victory victory over me because he doesn't have control of what God does inside of me victory is simply being with the Lord because when with with the Lord when we're walking with him We're not satisfying the flesh anymore. We're walking by the Spirit. And I, I really think that some of us have surrendered this truth 
No, it's just not my season of victory. No, it's just not my season. (laughs) I control my seasons because I decide when I'm with him. And when I'm with Jesus, every season is victory. When I'm walking with him, every season of my life is a victorious season. You may not think so. It may not look like it, but inside, I'm not who I was. I'm not led by the flesh. I'm walking by the spirit. So therefore, I walk in victory every single day because I walk with the Lord. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.